Blog Talk Radio. Tonight, we'll go back in time to Eugene's past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score, which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football History and Experimentalia on the Gridiron Greats Publisher and Broadcasting Network. In conjunction with Swick Enterprises, and we're live from the Wally for Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine. I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats Magazine is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140 plus years of football, history, and memorabilia. You can find us on the web at gridirongracemagazine.com. Is at this time, I'd like to introduce my co-host. He's a senior, contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawk items, in particular Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon. Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show this evening. Bob, happy to be back. Took a took a week off. Had to go to a wedding in Mexico for a friend. Uh, thanks, Jeff, for standing in. I, I listened to the show when I got back. It was a great show. I mean, well, I not was, not I Bob, and, not Bob and Joe, great, but you know, great show. I got to say this: I was inundated with emails after. I had loaded the show up, and the broadcast world had started to listen to it. They want to know when Joe was going to come back. <laughs> and I said, hopefully, hopefully, with the man's busy schedule, that he could squeeze in a show before the upcoming <laughs> Thanksgiving weekend, which I know you're, you're going somewhere for Thanksgiving for family. And yep. I'm honored. You've taken time out of your 72 hours that you're back in Portland. <laughs> so we can do a show here and and talk about a few bunch, a few things and uh, get caught up in yep. the world of football during, during, I may add, the height of the football oh, season. Absolutely. 2019. Absolutely. High school. Professional. Unbelievable. Yep. But I'm, and uh, I'm a little, special, 
special treat for the listeners today. I've got a Joe's quiz, uh, you know, for our guest. So I'll always enjoy those and have fun with them. So that's my mm-hmm. that's my welcome mm-hmm. back to the show, you know, to uh, to myself and the viewers. So it should be but, should be very interesting. And I'm a, I'm a little down today. We're recording this on the Monday after the Sunday night in America uh, football game in which the new coach of the Green Bay Packers had the same expression and look that I saw too many times from the former Green Bay Packer coach, Coach McCarthy, of a deer in front of headlights, and you're driving about 60 miles an hour at that deer, and you got to figure out real quick, which way are you going to turn to avoid hitting that deer, number one, to prevent about $10,000 worth of damage to your SUV and not oh. to kill the, kill the deer? I, got, I saw oh, that uh, last night. I was, not, I was not happy in any way, shape, or form saying it. Um, I'll just leave it like that. Very the disappointing. Back, the, back looks like, the back definitely looked like that deer. And, you know, to continue on with that analogy, they didn't move. They got shellacked by that SUV. Uh, oh, yeah. That did not look like the <laughs> same 49ers team that the Seahawks beat the week before. They showed up with a vengeance. They showed up to, to you know, put a stamp on it and to show everybody that they're for real. That was uh, right. that was an impressive, an impressive win. You know, you know, uh, on the Sunday night game. Sorry about that, right. Bob. Right. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I, under, I understand. Uh, one team must win, and one team loses on a Sunday or yep. a Thursday my, or a Monday or my, whatever. <laughs> or Friday night at the time on all, all Saturday. Yeah. The uh, Oregon Ducks, yeah. my uh, my local state team, lost to an unranked Arizona team. And it's those uh, it's those interconference you know teams. This in this case the Pac-12 that always worry me. I mean it's just mm-hmm. unranked when mm-hmm. you go in against somebody they've got nothing to lose, everything to everything to gain, and uh, I always worry about those. And uh, Actually, yeah, number six it. number six ranked Ducks lost. So it was interesting because the um, that game was on locally here, so I watched a little bit of it. I was flipping around the different games that were on, and um, I'll, I'll just make one one comment college-wise. It was the annual Yale-Harvard game here in New Haven yeah. on Saturday. And no wonder sadly, you tuned out. <laughs> and, and sadly, uh, after – well, not sadly, but after two overtimes, and as the nightfall was approaching at the bowl, now there's no lights there on top of it. Um, the game finally finished. It would have been finished a lot sooner if the uh, social protest did not take place at halftime, <laughs> which caused a one-hour delay in the game. A couple couple people I know called me on Sunday, and they told me about it, and, and they said, Bob, I am so happy you didn't go, because I know you would have been on the field breaking them up <laughs> and telling them to get the game going. So, Bob, I saw that happening, and I, I had to laugh. I was literally just chuckling to myself at the thoughts 
the thoughts of people linking arms, sitting on the field, and you know, and Bob Swick sitting in the stands or sitting at home. What the hell? Get these people off the field. What's going on? I just, I mean, just the thought. And I, as well, am glad you weren't at the game because uh, I, I don't know if uh, Stacy would have let me fly to the East Coast to bail you out of jail. So. They definitely made me laugh. It definitely made me laugh just thinking about you and your reaction to that. Just uh, that, oh, that did crack me up. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, you know, the, the sad part, I go back a few seasons. Um, Brenda was on the field doing a photo shoot for Yale. Uh, they were playing Princeton that day. It was a good game. And it's pretty cool to be on the field to watch to watch the game. And you could see um, see everything, you know, real well. Long story short, you go up to the press box there. I can only imagine what, what the commentators were saying there at the time when uh-huh. this whole protest was going on. And how do you kill an hour of, especially radio time, radio oh time on top of it? It's incredible, incredible. But in any event, how, how um, did they? That's curious. That's, I, don't, that's I, I, I don't want to know. That's all I got to say. I'll find out later from a couple of people that went, but uh, I don't want to know. It was a debacle. Man. So, so switching gears oh, well. here, we're going to talk about we're going to talk a little bit about football before our guest uh, comes on. And I got a couple of inquiries lately over um, ask me about Stratton Smith's football annuals. And how collectible mm-hmm. are they? How t- how tough they are to collect, so on and so forth. So to give the background on them, uh, I've written about them several times over the years. Back with yep. my newsletter and in in uh, one of the original Gridiron Greek uh, issues. And long story short, Shereen Smith was a college slash professional football annual that came out once a year, and they had one edition from 1940 to 1962. Beginning in 1963, they went to two issues. One was a professional issue, and the other one was the college issue. And it was classic because they had a, you had a nice portrait of a player and or action shot on the front cover. And the most difficult ones to collect, in my opinion, are the ones from 1940 roughly to 1946 for a variety of reasons. Not a lot of them were printed because of the war, and a lot of them got recycled because of the war at the same time. So those are more difficult to to, to follow, however, to, to to find and and to buy. However, I've seen prices every which way with regards to what they're going for on eBay and a couple other, um, you know, auction sites, so on and so forth. Now I've I've put together and I've sold traded that run probably three different times now, but I still enjoy picking them up anytime I go to a antique uh, mall or a show and I see somebody has some old Street and Smiths. They, they, to me, they're just so classic. They're too, they're too, they're too good to pass up. And I, I highly recommend anybody who's is seriously interested about the history of the game, if you read that Street and Smiths from 1940 all the way up into the into the 90s, you, you get such an incredible view of what what the game was, the players of the game, the writing of the time, so on and so forth. And, and you know, Joe and I, we, we've talked about this numerous times, Joe. The sports uh-huh. writing today. Yeah. Leaves a great deal to be desi- to de- be desired. Um, yeah, I-, I can hardly stomach reading ESPN magazine. They actually got rid of their print edition, 
they're only online now. So I, I, I said to myself, I, you know, I, I have to read it because I get it, but I don't know what I'm reading anymore because it really doesn't tell me anything about, you know, the game. It talks about, you know, social issues, yada, 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 this, that. You know, the the guy's six kids by five mothers, you know, by the time he's 21. You know, all that kind of stuff. It just turns me off listening to it. You know what I mean? And reading yeah. about it. Yep. So if you want real yep. classic football, I, I've always recommended, you know, collecting and reading Street and Smith football. I mean, it's a great reference. And uh, it's it's just a great collectible, and I and to me it's it's under what's it, for lack of a better term it's under collected in the hobby for whatever reason. So um, I, I think it's it's a good yeah. it's a good pickup and a good buy to say the least. Yeah, and we've talked we've we've talked about it in person, and uh, we've also talked about it on the show before. I believe it's something I'm not familiar with. Uh, I've I've read them before, but mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I think I think you had one I I forget but somebody had one I read it it's just it's kind of a cool little blowback like I'm kind of going through uh, I I uh, put together a, a um, you know a bunch of cards to submit to SGC last night and I was going through my collection looking for you know what I wanted to submit etc and I came across an old program of the Portland Rockets you know, versus, you know, you know, some other team, I forget. And it was a program. I, I must have bought this thing 10 years ago just because of the Portland affiliation. And it was fun going through it and, you know, like, oh, that hotel is still there. Oh, I know where that is. And it, it was kind of mm-hmm. cool. So it must be the same just kind of nostalgic thing to go through it and read and, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you know, you see the ads of the times, you see the players of the times. Um, yep. And I'll also say this, it was one of the few publications that did actually give some press to the CFL, Canadian Football League at the time also. So that I thought was very mm. cool. And you got some real serious history there because there, there's really not a lot written about the CFL, especially in the 50, late 50s and early 60s. So that's another yeah. real cool part of, of reading them. But, again, we've talked about this numerous times as far as programs. Any type of vintage program, as far as I'm concerned, is is more than rare and the historical value of them are just exceptional, to say the least. So uh, it's it's really something you know something to look at to find so on and so forth. I always buy if I'm at a show if I see any old Yale programs from the '60s back, I still pick them up, and because I still feel yeah. there there's not a lot of them out there, and even though they're not overly widely collected, at the same time, you know the history of Yale football is still. Uh, immense in my opinion not so much the last 20 years but you know from when it's beginning do you have a current the... yeah go yeah. ahead do you have a current run of them put put together uh are, is are they have they drifted back in your collection uh again street and smith as far as the yell programs yeah no the the street and smith catalog or the, you oh, know, the street and smith. magazines yeah. yeah i got i have you said I you have put them together the... before and then sold them yeah, I put it. I put the run together probably three different times, and over the years. Now, currently, uh, collector contacted me. He needed a bunch of copies, so I sold him a bunch of what I had, and eventually, I'll, I'll, I'll recollect it and put it back together. You know what I mean? I've, I've done it so many times over the years. It's, you know, I, I enjoy doing it, and I enjoy reading it at the same time. So it's, uh, it's well worth it. And like I said, the toughest issues are forty to forty-six. So that seems to be on everybody's list to try to find them. Hmm. So, uh, 
at one time I had three different copies of the 1940, the initial, uh, the initial Street and Smith's Annual, and uh, that's a classic read if there ever was one. And uh, I'll, I'll find them again. They're they're out there. You can you can see them. Yeah. Quite a lot. When we went, um, Brenda and I went on the shoreline, and we ended up at that uh, that uh, antique flea uh, flea market. Uh, I picked up the '62 uh, college issue there. They they had it there. I mean, I was shocked to see it, and I think the guy was charging oh, wow. five bucks for it. You know, it was well worth it, as far as I'm concerned. You can't go wrong. He didn't, with didn't know what he had. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, again, I recommend Street and Smith if you don't have them. Uh, again, a lot of uh, collectors collect certain players, their favorite players from college and pros. Other people, uh, other collectors will want the full historical content, so they'll run, make the entire run. Uh, a lot yep. of collectors start at 1963 when they're the two separate issues. They'll collect all the college run and or they'll collect all the professional run. So it's... It's a nice collectible. I highly recommend uh, if if you don't collect it, pick up a few issues. You'll be you'll be uh, sold on them to say the least. All right. At this time, our guest is ready, and I like to introduce to him introduce him to the show. He has been a collector of football pennants for over twenty years. And has an incredible collection of them. He also has an amazing website on football pennants and leagues which is uh, found at feltfootball.com. And at this time, I'd like to introduce Mr. Robert Goulet to our show tonight. Rob, welcome to the show. Hey, Bob. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks for being on. I, uh, you're, you're a busy guy, and I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule for, uh, for being on the show. But i got to say this. I went to your website a few weeks ago. And I, I must have spent three hours on it, just examining and looking at it. And I, I, I couldn't believe, I, I honestly couldn't believe what I, what I saw there. So I, I'm going to start off our, our question tonight to our audience. How did you start, uh, get started collecting pennants? Uh, well, you know, I was a card collector my whole life, ever since I was a little kid. And it was sometime back in the early 90s um, in Connecticut. Um, uh, lifelong Los Angeles Rams fan, despite the fact that I lived in Connecticut. I was at a card show in Manchester, Connecticut, of all places. Yep. And there was a guy there with a Rams pennant that I had never seen before. And it, it was a very old one from, uh, I, I later discovered, I didn't know at the time, I, was, I wasn't that knowledgeable about pennants at the time, but it turns out it has to be from the mid to late 1940s. Um, so when I saw that, I had to have it. And I, that was the first pennant I ever bought. Um, after that, however, it was probably 10 years before I ever bought another one, not until eBay came around. And then eBay opened up this worldwide marketplace for me and, and oh, my man. interest ex- expanded. Um, so I would say in the early 2000s is when it, my love of pennants really started to kick off. Um, as a card collector, uh, 1969 Topps football was always my favorite set. And what I loved about that set Good. as a kid was that it had the logos of every team on the card. So I started mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. for those logos on pennants, and from there it just snowballed. And um, while I have a, a pennant collection, uh, website for football, I do collect other sports as well. Um, football is obviously my passion, um, but I just love the history of the pennant and what it represents. The artwork, it, to me, it's just it's my favorite type of collectible. 
That's amazing. Yeah, the that, that, that incredible. That Manchester show used to be a really, really good show. There was a lot of stuff there. I remember doing it a few times, setting up as a dealer, and I remember, you know, going there numerous times, uh, buying stuff. I went there every month and probably I, for 15 years. Wow. Oh, wow. I probably ran into you. Yeah, yeah, I probably what bought it's worth from you, as a matter of fact. You probably bought from me. I was just going to say <laughs> That's amazing. Now, I got to I – gotta, um, I, I – uh want to put you on the spot real quick, a little off uh, the script, though. And when we're talking about penance, we're talking about um, you prefer felt penance as compared to the newer penance, or correct me if I'm, if I'm off no, base you're, on that. No, you're, you're 100% correct. Um, on the okay. website, I go up to about 1980. Um, really, anything after 19. 19- 1980 isn't that interesting to me. Um, the the newer stuff just it doesn't have the quality, it doesn't have the artistic value, um, and it, it was just so mass produced. There's I just don't feel like there's a lot of collector value there. Um, if I was a fan uh, and I was building a room dedicated to my team, I might have some of that stuff in there. But as far as collecting, it, it doesn't appeal to me. So all the pennants on my site. There might be one or two rare ones from like the earlier Super Bowls in the 80s, maybe 80, 81, but I really don't get much more current than that. And, and as far as I'm okay. concerned, the older the penance, the better. Okay. And then one, one other question. Um, I still remember, and I, I, I can't think of the guy's name. He sets up at the National every year. He has literally thousands of penance that he sells. And do you, do you know who I'm talking about? Because I can't figure out what the um, guy's name is. There could be a few guys. I know a guy um, in Dallas that I I live in Houston now, so I, I've come to know pretty well a guy named Rick Haskins. I know he sets up at the National. Um, he's okay. got that an, an amazing collection as well. A, and then there's a guy out of Chicago, southern... too. Okay. okay. Yeah. I, th- it, it, I, think, I think the guy you're talking about from Dallas, I think that's the one who sets up at the National because he's got a southern accent. So that, that, yep, he's that's vaguely probably from Rick. A, from a, Okay. All right. All right. That 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 was that was my question off script there. <laughs> yeah, he's got a pretty amazing collection too. Most mostly baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Joe. Rob, like uh, like Bob said, I spent quite a bit of time on your website. It's pretty fascinating. Uh, you know, just pennants are something I had as a kid that I used to hang on the wall and loved them. And like you said, loved the feel of them, et cetera. Uh, I could I could remember discovering eBay in like 1998 too, and it just opened up the world, you know, as well. So kind of funny. Um, yeah, one thing I did notice when I was perusing your website, uh, you're very conspicuously missing a, a Seattle Seahawk tab. Would you like to explain why? <laughs> yeah, I can tell you exactly why. It's, it's just because they came along in 1976, and really the only pennants they have are the like the double bar helmet or the 3D helmet pennant, which is just so common. Um, and so I don't really have enough to make a whole page for them. I, I, I honestly uh. did consider throwing them on the miscellaneous page along with, like, the Buccaneers. Because um, the Buccaneers, to their credit, do have a couple of a cool, very rare pennants um, commemorating their 1979 championship, uh, the NFC championship game um, that they made it to. So, but really, there's not enough Buccaneers pennants either to put on their own page. It's like when an auction house has baseball for sale, and then they have other 
and that other includes <laughs> football, basketball, boxing, and hockey. And you just mm-hmm. feel like, you know, the, the kids sitting at the children's table during Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's, it's, so I, I, I'd, I'd rather not have a Seattle Seahawks tab than have a mis- have them be under the miscellaneous. So, uh, you should you should take heart in that. I have considered it for a long time and tried to. <laughs> I've looked very hard to find Seahawks pennants, and so far they just aren't out there. I'm totally kidding, but you're you're right. I mean, we and the logo back then was a little little drab, so it, you know I used yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, no seriously, collection. I mean, it's just great, and just the information available on on your website. Just talking about how they change by decade, how rare they are. Uh, just an incredible website. And like, you know, like Bob said, I got sucked into the rabbit hole there. You know, about an hour and a half at work. Finally, I'm like, oh man, I have that. I have that bid due. Um, you know, so I know it's hard sometimes to pick your favorite child, but what would you say your top six, you know, kind of favorite pennants in your collection? And can you de- describe which ones they are and why they're your favorite kind of? Yeah. Um, wow. Well, I, I definitely have more than six that I would consider my favorites, but some, some jump right to mine. That first one I got, um, obviously to this day, that's that Rams pennant I got at the card show in Connecticut. I've never seen it. I've never seen it for sale again. Um, it has to be one of their earliest, uh, pennants after they moved to Los Angeles. It's got a, a painted on, um, old time football player with a leather helmet. He's running right at you. It's got very vibrant colors. It's got a great graphic. Um, so th- and plus that was my first. So um, I've had that one the longest. It's, it's special to me. Um, another one that I found that is just amazing to me anyway, um, it's a New York Giants versus the College All-Stars um, preseason charity game pennant uh, for the benefit of something called the Fresh Air Fund that is still in existence today. Um, the game started – uh, in 1937, I think this pennant is probably from the 1930s, um, and wow. it benefited um, underprivileged children and got them outside um, and got them out of the city during the summer so they could experience activities that maybe they didn't have access to otherwise. So this pennant is really cool. I've never seen another one like it. It says New York Giants versus College All-Stars, and I, I'm sure you guys are aware that the NFL champion used to play the College All-Stars every year um, oh, yeah. in Chicago. And, yep. So. So that was super, super rare. I'd love to find another one. The, I know the Giants played at least 15 Fresh Air Fun games. They might have even played more. I'd love to find pennants from other games, but I've just never seen one. Um, I have a few defunct teams, too. Those are, I always love finding just because you know, they're, they're so uncommon. Um, I have a Brooklyn Tigers uh, NFL pennant uh, from the 1940s. That's super rare. Um, uh, it's got a, a, a tiger head, a pretty – common looking tiger logo similar to what you might see on a Princeton uh, pennant or or even the Detroit Tigers um, but it, it's uh, super super rare they were only a team in the NFL for one year so there's not a lot of Brooklyn Tigers memorabilia out there so I was happy to find that um, I've got some pennants from the Continental Football League too I love the semi-pro teams uh, like the uh, the Philadelphia Bulldogs um, and the uh, I'm trying to think of a couple of the other ones I have. The Norfolk Neptunes, um, teams like that that most people don't, most people don't know about. Um, so when you find their memorabilia, it's really cool that if you can add that to your collection. Yeah. Rob, um, did you ever I, did, do you have a do you have a Hartford Knights uh, pennant? I, I've looked, I've I can guarantee you there's not too many people that have looked harder than I have, and I've never seen one. 
Okay. All right. I was just curious because I've never seen one over, over the yeah. years. I, I have no idea if they ever had them or whatever. So that'd be pretty yeah, cool I've, if you could find them. It's funny how some teams pop up and, and some teams just, it's almost like they're non-existent. Um, mm-hmm. So Continental League pennants, if I can find one of those, I'll definitely try to pick that up. Um, and the, the, the Dolphins have a, the Miami Dolphins have a really cool old pennant. It's one of their first ones. And um, instead of having the, the Dolphin we're used to seeing on their pennant, they actually have a Mahi Mahi, which I don't know if you're familiar with what a Mahi Mahi looks like, but it's a big square headed fish. Um, so that one always was odd to me. I was like, why in the world did they decide to put a Mahi Mahi on their pennant? But um, that's one of my favorites as well. Wow. Those are, those are amazing, truly amazing. I, I'm curious, how, how do you display and store your collection? And, and can you describe yeah. that to the audience? That, that's going to be, you know, I know people have asked me over the years, you know, when they buy a pen, what should, what should they do with it, so on and so forth? Yeah, th- this is a, an interesting question for me because I just moved to Texas two years ago. And I have to be honest, my pennants are all in storage. Um, the the football room that I intend on building, I haven't gotten around to. So as we speak, all of my pennants, um, I have about 1,500. They're all um, in protectors. So they make both soft and rigid protectors that you can put your pennants in. So they're all in that stored safely away. I'm kind of um, condition. I'm a little anal when it comes to condition. So uh, the fact that they're not out fading in the sun, collecting dust, um, acquiring tears or pinholes and things like that, that kind of appeals to me. And it's part of the reason um, that I haven't been real eager to pull them out of storage and, and display them. Um, I, I know it's ridiculous. It's probably hard to comprehend. Uh, when you see the website, you'd probably think my house was plastered with these. Um, and <laughs> trust, trust me when I say my wife is glad that they're tucked away in storage. Um, but the plan is at some point my football room will have uh, these hanging safely on the wall, safely out of the sun. Rob, Rob all of us on this show have wives. So when we see your website, we are 99% sure your house isn't covered in these pennants. Just like, <laughs> just like our, our wives don't allow us to have all of our crap. <laughs> I, I, I swear I threaten at least once a month. Whenever she talks about painting, I'm like, well, I'm just going to hang up my pennants so we don't have to paint. And then that, that gets me out of painting. That gets me out of painting the living room for at least a few weeks. <laughs> well, so, I love it. So, so Rob, when you hang them, do you, do you leave them in the protectors, and and then I don't know, you would put like something behind the protector to hang it like that, or do you actually take them yeah, out? Yeah. So, what a lot of the pennant collectors do, they'll buy the the rigid, clear sleeve that you yeah. can put the pennant in, and then yeah, use like okay. double sided yeah, okay. tape. To, to tape the, yeah, 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 the holder yeah. to the wall yeah. so the pennant isn't isn't damaged. Okay. All right. And I've I've seen those where you can run string in them too, or something like that. It's got a hole for a, a tack or something, or but it's also got yeah. a, a little spot where you okay. Yeah. yeah. So you can hang them. Yeah. So for for Christmas, uh, instead of hanging lights up, hang up pennants and you know just get a flavor <laughs> for it. Cool. Sad, sad cool. to say, we're already too late for this Christmas because that was what we did. Yeah all weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's cool. Whenever, whenever Bob and I see a, a collection, you know, as vast as yours, the first thing that pops in mind is, 
you know, just how hard it is to put, a, a, you know, something like this together. So, you know, you've got to have a couple stories of, you know, meeting someone in a in an airport to swap, you know, you know, a check for pennant or something like that. You have any <laughs> you have any good stories to share with our listeners? Which I actually uh, have know, done, Bob. I've actually met somebody in an airport, handed them a check, grabbed a, or uh, handed them a duffel bag full of cards, got a check, and and then flew back at a at a round trip flight. So. That, that that hits a little close to home. Sorry about that, Rob. You keep going. No, that's that's fine. And I'm actually open to that. I would meet anybody anywhere to get the right pennant. Um, I don't really have any clandestine stories like that. Believe it or not, most of my collection um, was built from eBay. Um, and then oh. over time, as my network of pennant collector friends has grown, um, I've got people in all parts of the U.S. now who are out looking for me. So, um, if they come across something that they don't want or they think I might be interested in, I've got people who reach out to me and let me know. Um, but eBay built the backbone of my collection. And uh, really the stories that I share about pennants are typically the ones that got away. Uh, for example, uh, I, this isn't my real job, obviously. Um, this is what I try to do when I have some spare time. But last year I had to go to India for work for about 10 days and um, my concern leaving for 10 days was it's going to be very hard to stay abreast of what's going on on eBay, um, particularly when I'm on the flight. It was a 15-hour 15, 15 flight, so I mean, that was a big blackout period for me. And wouldn't you know, while I was in the air traveling to India, somebody listed a lot of five Dallas Texans pennants. Um, you hardly ever see Dallas Texans pennants to begin with, so for someone to have five of them is, is beyond unusual. But the, the best part of the story was that they listed them for $50, buy it now. And each one of these pennants would sell for about 400 to $500 individually. Oh, my so Lord. Huh. After I got settled into my hotel, you know, the first thing I did was, okay, did I miss anything? And I saw that. And I, I was devastated. I was like, I should have been home waiting for this. This was like what I've been <laughs> dreaming for for the past 10 years. So it gets wow. So I finished my trip in India and I come home. And wouldn't you know, one of my best pennant collecting friends was the one who bought it. He got it. So not only did I miss out, I had to listen to him brag about getting it. Um, oh, the upside here. The upside here. I thought you were going to go elsewhere with that story and said, "I thought you were going to go elsewhere with that story and say one of my friends bought it, saying, hey, I thought you might like this.' I, I thought you were going to say he took it down for you. Oh no. <laughs> well, at close. He did sell me one of them at a discount, but uh, it, let's just say it was a lot more than fifty dollars. Uh, wow. Oh, wow. Well, you know, I got to say this. If that ever happened, if Joe was looking for something and I saw it, I would pick it up for him. And if Joe, if Joe knew I was looking for something, he would just pick it up. And because of the camaraderie we have, there yep. would be no no cash exchange whatsoever. I mean, I would just send it to him and, um, and that's it. For example, I found that uh, Twitter scrap of that 1963 uh, Tops uh, sheet. Uh, that yeah. little strip of whatever it was, 20 cards or whatever. I picked it up and I, and I just yeah. mailed it to Joe and that's so, so you, yeah. I think Rob, you gotta, you gotta express Rob to your, your pennant collecting friends the, the concept of camaraderie of, uh, well, he, you know, the, in his, in his that defense, everything, he is that a, everything should be measured in cash. I mean, really, come on guys. I mean, exactly. in his defense, he is the, a full-time pennant dealer. So it is his job. All right. All right. Okay. Well, I can, I can, I can make, I can accept that. So, 
Yeah, I'm with you though, Rob. I, I I collect uncut football sheets, and uh, like you said, weekly weekly scouring of eBay. You know, Sunday night, and then I usually hit it again Wednesday to make sure nothing filtered through. Uh, I I should do it more often, but you know, wife and kids. Uh, and one week, I remember like five years ago, something came up like, ah, no worries. I mean, I haven't seen anything in months, so no worries. And then, uh, and then somebody I knew was bragging, like, hey, check out this full, uncut 1948 Bowman sheet. I picked it up for like 250 bucks, and I'm like, holy crap, you know, I just <laughs> felt my, my fist clenching, you know. Oh, well, these things happen. <laughs> yeah, they do. It works, it works both ways, though. Sometimes you're, the, you're on the lucky end, too. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, uh, Rob, I was going to so, like you. How, how, go ahead. No, go, go Bob. Ahead. Okay. Oh, I was uh, going to say, like you, though, things. I've got friends. <laughs> like you, Rob, I've got friends who know I collect sheets. So, you know, once a month or so, I'll get a text from someone or an email saying, hey, did you see this one? Uh, you know, so, no, I know what you mean. I think I think the network, it, you know, you know, becomes almost more important because that's the people who are looking for the offline deals. And, you know, somebody's set up at the National and somebody comes along, hey, I got a bunch of these felt pennants. You know, um. yeah, that's important. Yeah, it definitely that's really helps. important. It, it definitely helps. Rob, we got we got a lot of uh, collectors who enjoy the the old world football league from '74 and '75. How tough are those pennants to collect? I, I, I'm curious, and I know they would be interested to find out also. Yeah, those uh, pennants are, are really cool. Uh, I think I have every one, at least every one that I know to exist. Um, the great thing about them is they're, they're fairly common. If you did a World Football League pennant search on eBay right now, I'm sure you'd find probably over 100 on there. Um, typically, they, they had two versions. They had a helmet version, and then they had a logo version. The helmet ones seem to be a little bit more common than the logos, um, but they're all relatively affordable. Um, I don't think you would ever have to spend more than $50 for any World Football League pennant. Um, there are a, a few uh, that are a little bit more rare. I know uh, the Birmingham Americans have a pennant commemorating their first game. Um, as far as I know, that's the only only WFL team that does have one of those. I've never seen another one. That one I've seen go up close to a hundred dollars, but um, we're not really talking big bucks. Most of like the helmet pennants you can probably get for 20 to $25 on eBay. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and not so rare. They're pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. I would say they're, they're real, the helmet ones, I don't think there are really any rarities for any of the helmet ones. Some of the logo ones are a little bit harder to find than others. Um, the Detroit wheels logo, it tends to be a little bit more rare. Um, the Florida Blazers logo pennant is a little bit more rare too. And, and the Hawaiians, they have a, a red pennant with their logo on it. That doesn't come up too, too often. So those are probably the three, three of the more rare ones. Hmm. Yeah. The, the, reason, the reason why I brought it up is uh, the, um, the four guys who, who basically have printed a bunch of card sets lately for the World Football League. I know they're, it's all types of memorabilia, and um, I know they got a good following as far as people who are collecting. I know they're, they, 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 you know, the regular collectors of WFL know a lot about their pennants also, but I was just curious about that for my own sake to, to understand a little better as far as if they're super rare or not. I honestly don't look at uh, pennants 
for the WFO. I look more at the programs and the and the media guides. I'm more interested in those. But I was interesting to to hear about those. Do you guys own any pennants in your collection? I have a handful have of one. Green Bay Packer a handful of Green Bay Packer ones that are hanging with pins on the wall unprotected in my man cave. <laughs> And as I speak right now, I'm, I'm looking at them, and I see a little dust on one of them. Uh, they're from the 60s and 70s and a couple of newer ones from the, the Super Bowls of the 90s. Okay. Uh, but that's all I have. I had a bunch of pennants over the years that I bought and sold, uh, mostly from the 60s and 70s. Nothing super rare from the, the 50s or anything like that, or 40s, 30s. Well, if you're going to have yeah, pennants, the Packers are, are a great team. To have pennants of pennant collectors no, are know. probably I know. the I know. I know. Packers very, and I, collectors are. Sorry, guys. There's a ton of them out yep. there. Yeah, and I, I hate yeah. to say it, Rob, I've got one of those old Seahawk ones with the lame, you know, the lame, uh, <laughs> you know, lame face mask on it. Uh, <laughs> that's the only one. So <laughs> boring. I wouldn't say it's lame. It, I wouldn't say it's lame. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So long, a long well, Bob's hey, question. So Bob, you know, which one? Oh, go ahead. Go, go for it, Rob. No, go for it. Yeah, I was just going to comment on Bob's. You know, the Packers pennants, those are among the most valuable. Of all the teams, the Packers pennants typically sell for the most money. The Packers fans are so so rabid in their collecting of Packers yep. memorabilia that um, yep. if you get a pennant from – I'm not talking about the ones like the single bar helmet or any, any of the helmet – pennants but some of the more rare ones from the 50s and 60s it's not uncommon for them to exceed a thousand dollars right right and i and i hate to say it i just can't see myself putting a thousand out for a pennant because you know as much as i enjoy them i just i i just like displaying a few of them and that's it you know what i mean i'm more i'm more of a paper paper guy you know program media guy ticket stub that type of stuff so uh but yeah it's fascinating to see what they go for it's amazing. Yeah. And I know one of the biggest uh, Packer collectors, Glenn Christensen, he's been on the show a few times. He has such an incredible uh, amount of Packer uh, pennants. It's amazing to see what he has. Incredible. Yeah, I've corresponded with him yeah. a few times. I'm familiar with his website. It's absolutely yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is yeah, and then kind of along the same lines of what Bob asked, you know, about the WFL pennants, what are, what are the toughest – rarest pennants to collect. It's like my son's always like, you know, which, which what's your favorite, you know, what's the best card? And I'm like, well, there's a difference between rare and expensive. They, they don't go hand in hand sometimes. So I guess what's, you know, what are the most expensive pennants to collect and what are the rarest ones, I guess, would be a great way to split that up. Yeah. Uh, the most expensive ones, like I, I just said, tend to be Green Bay Packers pennants. Um, I mean, the Packers go back a long time. So, it's not uncommon for them to, to sell for multiple thousands of dollars. Um, really, of all the teams that are, are in existence now, um, really the Packers are the ones where you, you see the most old pennants selling for that kind of money. Um, if you want to talk about Holy Grail in terms of rarity, it would be any professional football pennant from the 1920s NFL. Uh, they're just, they're like Bigfoot. You know, nobody knows if they really exist. Um, the, there have been a few um, sales over the last like 15 years. Uh, a Canton Bulldogs pennant 
Um, oh, wow. Uh, Pottsville Maroons. Pottsville wow. Maroons wow. pennant sold for about seven grand uh, a few years back. Oh. Um, but you, you just never, ever find them. And, and I, my friends and I debate about whether or not they really exist. Um, uh, one of my friends has um, what he thinks is a Duluth Eskimos uh, football pennant. Oh. But, it, but it just says Duluth. It just says it doesn't say Eskimos. It just says Duluth. So um, there's a, a difference of opinion whether or not that's really a Duluth Eskimos pennant or just a, a Duluth high school or, or something like that. So those are really the hardest ones to find. And then more recently, you have like some of your defunct teams sell really well. Like in uh, 1943 and 1944, the Steelers um, merged operations in 43 with the Cardinals and 43. Or, excuse me, 43 with the Eagles and 44 with the Cardinals. And there are pennants that exist of that combined team. Um, and those also sell for multiple thousands of dollars when they come up for sale. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, we have a – I was going to ask you about that one. You know, but uh, we, we have a little pop quiz that we like to throw on people towards the end of the, end of the interview. Uh, but but you, just, you, just, uh, you just dug into it. So, yeah, I like it. Bob? That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, another question, and it's a question I ask every guest on every show. What advice can you give uh, any beginning collectors, and in this case, a, be- a beginning collector of pennants? As far as pennants go, um, really, first and foremost, uh, spend time on eBay. Um, at any given time, there are forty to 50,000 pennants on eBay. Um, so if you are Holy. interested in and getting involved with pennants, that's definitely the first place to look. Uh, a lot of card shows, I used to go to card shows all the time. There weren't always pennants at them. Um, if you go to the bigger ones, um, I know up in your area, White Plains is a pretty good, uh, has a pretty good show, and there's typically guys selling yeah, pennants yeah. there. But you have to be, it has to be like a, the local shows typically don't. You have to go to like one of the bigger regional shows to find pennants at a show. So I would say eBay is your best friend. Spend a lot of time on there. Um, collect what you like. Um, if you want to collect uh, for yeah. pleasure, you know, buy whatever you want. If you want to collect for investment purposes, then condition is key and um, keep an eye on condition. But if it's just something to throw up on your wall, uh, condition's not, not as important as long as you like it. Um, and then yeah. um, these, these days, unfortunately, if you really want to become a serious collector, you got to watch out for reproductions. Um, even in the pennant world, there are reproductions out there, which is, is kind of a bummer. Oh, no. Yeah, and you see them. You see them on eBay getting passed off as the real thing all the time, and they sell for a lot of money and uh, causes quite a bit of outrage in the pennant collecting community. So familiarize yourself yeah, with what the real thing should look like, and uh, don't don't waste your money buying a reproduction. You know, that's one well, of the I reasons can... I collect uncut sheets. You know, is just because it's it's hard to fake an uncut sheet, Rob. It's, yeah. Yeah. That's for wow. sure. That's for sure. Okay. All right. Well, Rob, if you're ready, we have uh, a little quiz I'd like you to participate in. Sit back in your seat, uh, kick your feet up, and first and foremost, the only rule, have some fun with it. So, All right, let's do this. You, uh, you, touched, you touched, you let's do this. I love it. Right on. You touched on this a little bit ago, but the uh, 43 uh, Eagles and Steelers, a.k.a. the Steagles and the Steelers and Cardinals, who don't, you know, in 44 don't quite have a uh, cute name. So, you know, the Browns moved 
you know, to Baltimore became the Ravens, and the Brown and the Ravens uh, disowned all previous history of the Browns. Same thing, you know, the midnight move of the Baltimore Colts to Indy. Now, even now, whenever, uh, whenever you know, Indianapolis plays the Baltimore Ravens, they put the Ravens up, you know, because they refuse to have the word Baltimore on their scoreboard, which is kind of funny. In your opinion, in 1943, when the Steelers and the Eagles joined forces, should and and formed one team, the Steagles, should the Steelers and the Eagles forego all previous history of the teams and only go forward, you know, in the 1945 Steelers and Eagles? What do you think? Oh, (laughs) that's a... uh, And this question is mostly for John Spano, who's a Steeler fan. Yeah, so um, I want to make sure I understand the question. Are you saying that what transpired prior to the merge should not be history associated with the team. Correct. Yes. Um, Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with that. Um, (laughs) I don't know how you handle, how you handle that. There's no right or wrong answer. There's no right or wrong answer. Nobody's right to answer one way or the other. Well, I would say, I would say it still counts. I would say you got to count all the years of the team, even prior to them, that merge. I, I agree with you, but I think there should be an asterisk there just because John Spano is a Steelers fan. I, I just, there's got to be. <laughs> John's, a, John's a friend of ours, by the way, Rob, so sorry uh, to be the, you know, the joke there. Uh, I noticed one of my favorite tabs on your website was uh, defunct teams. And I, I I loved that. I loved going in there and perusing it. So, quick lightning round. Who's your favorite uh, defunct team? Brooklyn Dodgers or Chicago Rockets? I would say the Chicago Rockets uh, because, and for the only reason being that it's harder to find their stuff. Uh, Brooklyn Dodgers stuff comes up pretty regularly. Brooklyn Tigers, Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. Uh, I would Here I would – Hmm. I don't want to diminish the value of my pennant, so I'm going to say the Brooklyn Tigers because they're only around for one year. <laughs> but but in all honesty, you know, it, it is next to impossible to find anything to, for the Frankfurt Yellow Jackets. So if one did exist, yeah. um, that would probably trump the Brooklyn Tigers. Yeah. L.A. Dons or Miami Seahawks? I'm giving you a chance to repent oh, here. Uh, Miami Seahawks. I, I I don't exactly. have a Miami Seahawks pennant. I've only seen it for sale one time, and I did not get it. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get another chance, but I would love to have a Miami Seahawks pennant. All of their well, games were away. They were they were a one year AFC team, and uh, they didn't have a home stadium, so all their games were away. Yep. So okay, uh, those, those are pretty good. Who had the better logo on a pennant? The 1940 Giants with a football player running at you or the 1940 Steelers with a football guy running at you? <laughs> it's not the same logo, is it? I don't have my side up in front of me, but they both it have is. pennants with a it guy is. running at you. It is. It is the exact um, same yeah, logo. It's the same. <laughs> yeah, it's would, the same in this logo. case, I would say the Giants had the better one because I'm still kind of mad about the Steelers beating the Rams a couple weeks ago. 
<laughs> I was on your I'm like, wait a minute, that Giants one looks just like the Steeler one I looked at. And I go back, I'm like, oh, the exact same thing. And that's where my quiz idea came up. Uh, uh, so who was your favorite, the Giants? I would agree with that, yes, just because they're, they're steeped in history. The, the Steelers' history starts in 1945, as we discussed earlier. <laughs> All right. Uh, and last question. Uh, which is your favorite 1940 Cleveland pennant? Guy running ball in left hand or guy running ball in right hand? <laughs> well, the, that one exists. I, I don't know if you're talking about the Cleveland Rams or the Cleveland. I think you must be looking at the Rams. Um, Rams, yes. I, I, think, I think they're both fantastic, but I'm left-handed, so I would go with the left-handed <laughs> ball player. Wow. Nice. And you had, you had described their very rare left-handed ball running. And I had to go back and look and like, oh, man, this guy's really, really got the details down. I loved that. Just, uh, you know, all the little <laughs> idiosyncrasies of tennis. So, well, yeah. right on, Rob, you went by seven for seven. Anything from the Cleveland Rams is rare. Yeah. Yep. You went seven for seven. You got 100%. Nice job. That's awesome. You did good. What do I get? You did good. <laughs> hey, uh, Joe. Uh, uh, an, an old uh, an old Seattle Seahawks pennant hanging on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert, if it's, if it's autographed by Manu Tuiasasopo, I'll take it. Outstanding, great poll, by the way. I was I was going to go with you know Dan Dornick or you know something like that. Jim Zorn, you know Manu Tuiasasopo, outstanding, good poll. Rob, well, thank you very much for being on. I, I truly appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. I'm glad we were able to hook up. I, I got to say this if, uh, to the audience. If you haven't checked out your website, uh, please do. I mean, it's, just a, it's an incredible uh, historical amazing. view of football pennants, and it's just, it just amazed me. I'm so amazed by it. And um, I, I truly congratulate you for putting it together. That's, I know that's a, a labor of love, to say, to say the least. And uh, Again, thanks for taking time out for talking with us, and uh, I'm sure we'll be in touch in the future because I want to do a uh, feature on you in the magazine in an upcoming issue, so we'll be in touch on that. That that would be great. Thank you for the kind words. I'm glad you guys liked the site, and I'm happy to talk to you guys anytime. Um, Thanks for having me on, and have a great Thanksgiving. All right, you too. Outstanding. Thank you, Rob. All right, take care, guys. Who's the uh, who has an incredible football pennant website feltfootball.com, and we got about yep. five minutes left, and we're going to go into our uh, defensive mode here, and we're going to start wrapping things up. Joe, I'm going to hand off to you a little early. What'd you pick up on tonight's show? I'm always impressed with people who are just doing things for the good of the hobby. It's like you, Captain. You run. Swick Enterprises, and you do this podcast. I mean, and uh, you know, none of these are making you a millionaire. You do it for the good of the hobby. There, there's a couple people you bump into who just, you know, put information out here like this, uh, and it's for everyone to see. And they're not being selfish about it. It is just simply for the good of the hobby. And I always tip my hat to people who do that. Uh, and Rob seems to be that kind of guy. Especially, you know, if you go to his website and just check it out, it's. Uh, you're you're in there for an hour, and you're you're picking up on the little details like I just talked about. You know, you know the uh, the Cleveland Rams 1940 pennant running with left hand ball and left hand or running with ball and right hand. I mean those nuances. You know that uh, 
that's pretty cool. I'm always impressed with someone who does that. And again, that's that's preserving to me, preserving the history of the pennants and preserving the history yeah. of the game at the same time. This is truly incredible. Truly, and I was truly amazed uh, that I stumbled upon the website because I'm always looking for stuff, as you know. And I uh, stumbled on it, and we went back and forth with a few emails, and uh, fortunately, he was able to put some time in today and uh, and talk. So it was it was a great education for me, even though. You know, like I said, I only have a handful of pennants, and uh, you know they're not they're not hermetically sealed in those plastic um, you know pennant <laughs> holders. I mean, I just got them hanging up with thumbtacks basically on the wall, and uh, you know I only got I think got like three or four of them up here, and that's it. That's it. So it's amazing. But uh, all right, so now with uh we got about 3 minutes left i got to want to wrap a few things up here uh number 1 turkey thursday is thanksgiving as we all know it's a day of football three games now instead of two so it's a, a great tradition detroit lions playing in a game dallas cowboys playing in a game now a night game uh to look at so it's it's, it's going to be a good day of football and it's a pretty slow weekend as far as that is concerned on Sunday because now you have three games already on Thursday. So the whole weekend goes by a lot quicker. So I want everybody to enjoy yep. uh, their Thanksgiving coming up. Uh, I know you're traveling. Be safe. Have a good time with the family. Uh, we got a bunch of nieces and nephews coming over here for our traditional uh, Thanksgiving at the compound. Sadly, it's getting smaller and smaller as the kids are growing up, getting married, and moving out, out of state, so on and so forth. But we still enjoy and still enjoy it. And they do say, do we have to watch the game? And I said, yes. It's on in the background. Yes. And there's no, no other way of getting around it, to say the least. But uh, Yes, we have be, to watch the game. It's interesting. I love it. <laughs> All right, we're down to less than two minutes. Other thoughts, Joe, on anything? Give it back to you. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoy it. I, I don't know if you listen to the shows after you do them or if you just record them and put them up. Uh, I just, but I, uh, I enjoyed listening. I enjoyed listening to your and Jeff's show. I, I, I really dug the banter back and forth. It was just, it's good to know, you know, somebody like Jeff can step in and just, and take care of it. Cause you know, uh, well, you know, so just, it, all, it's good. Okay. All, all kidding aside, it is not easy being, being a co-host, on a show like this, for the simple reason, you really got to, number one, you got to have knowledge, which Jeff has by far and wide. We know yep. that. And, and number two, you know, I, I, I have a certain, a certain uh, style that I do the show in, which is pretty, pretty basic. But at the same time, you, gotta, you, you have to pick up on what I'm doing here. And, you know, you and I, you know, go back for how many years now? So, you know, you know my next move. You know what I'm going to say type of type of yeah. situation. But it's not easy. It really isn't. It really isn't. I yeah. do, I do I know any guest co-host we have here. Yep. I know when to shut up. I know when to, you know, let you run with it. I, you know, I know, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, and we're, we're sitting 3,000 miles apart, so it's hard to. Exactly. Exactly. You know, to, and it's, it's kind of. have visual cues. It's kind of cool that we can we can bond like that very easily, you know, in a show like this. So it's it's, it's great. All right, we're done about 15 seconds. We're gonna wrap things up. Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving. 
Check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com. We're going to be back in December with a bunch of shows. Until then, have a great holiday. Thanks for listening.